This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Our program is underwritten in part by the Indiana State Knights of Columbus. And now, here's today's program. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Ayer. Hello, great to be with you. And you know what? We are just a little bit before Christmas. There is still, well, myself included, a fair amount of Christmas shopping to be done yet. And despite what you hear about blank shelves and empty shelves and uh, shipping delays, it's still going to happen. We're still going to have Christmas. We're still all going to give gifts. So my point is, if you're going to be using Amazon, I'm not telling you what to do, but if you're going to be using Amazon, go to Amazon Smile first and register Catholic Radio Indy as your charity. You only have to do that one time. And then every time you buy anything on Amazon, Catholic Radio Indy gets a small percentage of whatever you purchase. So if a lot of folks do that, Catholic Radio uh, gets a nice check from Amazon from time to time. So uh, Catholic Radio Indy, the three, have, use all three words, Catholic Radio Indy, and you can go to Amazon Smile or smile.amazon, either one, and you'll be helping us out a whole bunch. Yes, well, the holidays are a time for family and friends, and it's a time of great joy and seeing people you love surrounding you at this time. But for people who have lost loved ones, the season can be especially challenging, especially when you see those empty seats around the table. So to help us navigate um, this through this season um, for ourselves and those who might be struggling um, with a loved one who has been lost in this past year. We are joined um, by our guest today, Tommy Ty. He is the author of St. Dimpna's Playbook, A Catholic Guide to Finding Mental Health and Emotional Well-Being. Uh, so welcome to Faith in Action, Tommy. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a blessing to be with you both. And God bless you, Tommy. I mean, we're 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 also doing this via Zoom, and and Tommy's out in his car. And I know it's really early in California when we're recording this. So so God bless you for for being with us. I, I really appreciate that. And I, as a parent myself, I can totally relate to. We were just joking about this earlier that I uh, during the shutdown I was recording some of our Faith in Action shows in my closet because it was the only quiet place in the house I could find when everybody was and the dogs would still scratch on the on the door. I'm like, oh my God. Gosh, I can't believe this. So, so God bless you. Well, you actually, um, were you ha- were you at NCYC recently? I know you're like a national speaker too, and you do a lot of stuff. So, talk a little bit about um, your background and um, and what you do. Oh, sure. So, uh, well, I'm a husband and, and father first and foremost. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 14 years. Uh, we have five children, um, and so in my in my professional life, I'm a marriage and family therapist. I've been working with. Um, people who suffer from chronic and severe mental illness for maybe about 15 years now, um, and it's really brought a lot of joy into my heart. So, um, and of course, you know, all of us struggle with mental health symptoms from time to time, going from like mild to severe, and, and I think that our faith has a lot to say about that. And um, so that's what I'm trying to do, to explore that with people and kind of help the church build community um, to support each other, because we all need each other so much, especially during this time of year. Well, since you're a Catholic um mental health uh, professional, I'm sure that that perspective is different than maybe your traditional secular mental health professional. Could you talk about that? Yeah, I think at first glance it could be, but in reality when people come in looking for help, um, no matter what their faith background is, the, the basic things that they want is to be treated like a human being with dignity and respect, because um, sometimes when we're going through depression or anxiety or 
experiencing, you know, symptoms of a trauma. Uh, people treat us differently. They stay away from us. They're scared of our symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so really the basic human dignity is like a really big, important thing in, in mental health therapy, right? Just kind of being there to, to sit with people and their suffering. So I think our faith really lends a lot towards that. Um, and, and additionally, I think, at least in Catholicism, right, we talk a lot about um, how God really comes to us through other people. Yeah, that's so true. That's the message that we really have to spread, right? Like God can come to us through a therapist or a doctor or a caring friend or family member. Um, that seems to be his main mode of transmitting his grace to us, right? Usually we don't just get a miracle when we pray for relief from our depression, but maybe we'll meet somebody who can help us. Uh, so I think there's a lot from our faith that we can take in, but of course in the secular world people are like, well, Christianity doesn't have anything to give us, but then they do all these things that are actually based on Christianity without, <laughs> without realizing it. Maybe that's God's little uh, sense of humor poking through. So I find a lot of help from my faith when I'm working with people of all religious backgrounds or no religious background, I think it brings a lot to the table for people. Yeah, there's no doubt. We're talking with Tommy Ty. He's a marriage and family therapist and creator of St. Dymphna's Playbook podcast, too. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We take questions from people and, and answer, just kind of pray for people, give some advice. It's, it's a good thing. That's really cool. So um, is that podcast available anywhere, like on Apple Tunes and yeah. all those the different? Yep, anywhere that you get your podcast, it should be there. Um, and you can always send me messages. I went to talk at the end about where people can send messages and, and send questions. I'd love to address them because I really think it helps us feel less alone when we realize that a lot of people are dealing with the things we're dealing with. You know? uh, now, Tommy, as Catholics, we have got a lot of saints. And I must say, I have never heard of Saint Dymphna. Can you uh, tell us who that is? And, and if I said you it right. You pronounced it perfectly, though. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, progressive for mental health treatment there today. I just think it's, it's so wonderful. 
Yeah, that is really neat to like look back and where some of these saints live. And like you said, back in the seventh century, and there's and still she's really left her mark even in 2021. I want to ask you, okay. um, how would you describe grief? What exactly is it? And then talk about holiday grief and if it's unique. Yeah, I mean, I guess when I think of grief or, or my own grief, my wife and I, we lost a son in 2016, so we've experienced pretty intense grief in our mm-hmm. life. Um, I guess I feel like it's <laughs> it's sort of like love that we're continuing to experience for a person that's no longer with us, right? Um, my wife and I always say when we cry about our son, we're like, our, our tears are like our outpouring of love for him. So it's kind of like this intense desire to continue loving somebody who's no longer there. So it really reminds you of this giant hole in your life and um, I, I think it's it's a painful experience. Most of the times we think about crying, but we don't think about how physically painful grief can be, too. There's just so many symptoms that can kind of go along when we're grieving that maybe we don't recognize as grief until we experience it. In the holidays, of course, it's always hard. I remember my mom, she didn't even want to decorate for Christmas because her mom died around Christmas time, and mm. we carry it with us forever. And I think there's this feeling that when something intense happens to us and we're grieving, our whole life kind of stops. Our whole... Uh, experience kind of shuts down, but the rest of the world kind of goes on, and there's something that feels um, incongruous about that. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel good, right? Like, you've lost someone close to you, and your neighbors are stringing up lights on Christmas time and smiling and being happy, mm-hmm. and that can be very difficult for yeah. us. Um, we really want our loved ones to be with us when we're having these memories and experiences, so I think it amplifies in the holidays, um, because we are reminded that we've lost some of that joy that we used to have before, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, when someone is experiencing grief, I, I, I would imagine there are those people that say, oh, I'll get over it. I just need to pull myself up on my bootstraps and I'll get over it. And there's other people, and maybe they do or maybe they don't. And there's other people that really seriously need help. How does a person determine where they fall on that spectrum? Yeah, I think that's an important question. And I think well, the first answer is anybody can reach out to get help. I think sometimes we're afraid that uh, of a couple things. One, if I go reach out for help, that means I'm going to need to get help for the rest of my life, which isn't necessarily true. And the other thing is we think, well, if I have to reach out for help, I must be really sick. I must be crazy because normal people don't have to go to therapy, which is also not not true at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing. People can always reach out for help. Maybe you even go to two therapy sessions and you go, you know what, I'm feeling better and you can stop. That's something that people do all the time. But really when we're looking at when do we need to start getting help for our, for our symptoms, it's the question of how are we able to function in our daily lives. So we really have to look at our functioning rather than sort of objective things like how we feel. Instead, we want to say, like, am I able to get up and go to work? Am I able to focus on my tasks? Do I maintain relationships? Or am I isolating, having a hard time concentrating, not taking showers as often? Like all of these things that we can really look at and measure as objective things um, to tell us that we need help, right? So I think paying attention to the way we're functioning is better than just how we think we're doing, because we don't know how we're doing most of the time, right? And yeah. if someone tells us we're doing bad, we usually get angry or defensive. Um, but if we can look at how we're functioning, I think that's a really good indicator of when we should get help. Now, does this type of grief you're talking about affect a particular age group more so than others, or men more so than others? Uh, I, I, I can envision, you know, like elderly people maybe uh, experiencing grief more seriously than a teenager, for example. Yeah, you know, I think that, that I think that that's a pretty uh, common thought that we have, but it seems to be that people experience grief differently. 
So I think that perhaps like when we're a little bit older, we experience grief. We're, we're crying, you know, we want to pull the covers up over our head. We're hurting in these ways where a teenager might respond by being angry or distant or different kinds of symptoms, right? Aggressive compared to like isolating as an adult. So I think that we all experience grief, but we experience it in different ways and that it takes sort of recognizing it. Because it's very easy, I think, to look at a teenager and be like, oh, they're just got their headphones on all day long and they're just angry whenever I ask them how they're feeling, but that's how teenagers are. Um, and it really takes kind of, I think it takes sharing our own experience, sharing our own feelings to get people to kind of feel comfortable opening up. So, um, yeah, and as far as males and females, I think we people commonly say that women experience grief more than men, but that's really, I don't think that's true at all. I think it's, again, we experience it differently. We don't, men don't show our feelings as much. We're kind of trained to keep things hidden down. Mm-hmm. And it really hurts. It hurts everyone. It hurts us because we're not getting help. And it hurts our spouses because we're acting all okay and then they feel alone like they're the only ones suffering even though we're kind of just pushing it down. So, uh, again, I think we all have to kind of come to terms with seeing where we're at and recognizing it. And if we could just talk about it instead of holding it in, everything would be better. <laughs> wow, you br- bring up so many good points in that last um, answer. Uh, I want to touch back on some of those um, after the break, but we do need to take a break right now. Um, so we're going to talk more about holiday grief and St. Dymphna's playbook uh, when we return talking with Tommy Ty. So stay tuned for more Faith in Action. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Think of all the media our young people are exposed to today. MTV, movies, what passes for entertainment on TV, song lyrics that are questionable or worse. Where do they hear the message that it's okay to be chaste and modest? or that it's not crazy to practice their faith, or to believe in a God who loves them and can forgive them no matter what they do. Catholic Radio is the answer. Be sure to tell your friends and relatives about Catholic Radio Indy. Defender of Christian families, protector of the poor and marginalized, founder of the Knights of Columbus. This was Father Michael J. McGivney, an American-born parish priest who in a brief but impactful life left a lasting legacy for the Catholic Church. Born in 1852 to Irish immigrant parents, Michael McGivney knew hard work at a young age and the strength and solace that the faith gave to Catholics in their new homeland. Assigned to a New Haven, Connecticut parish, Father McGivney set out to counter the anti-Catholicism of his day and gathered a group of men to found a fraternal benefit society, the Knights of Columbus. He died at the age of 38, yet his vision continues today in the faithfulness and charitable works of more than 1.8 million Knights worldwide. Father McGivney now holds the title of Venerable Servant of God in recognition of his heroic virtue, and his cause for sainthood continues to move forward at the Vatican. To learn more about this ordinary parish priest who lived a life of extraordinary virtue, visit fathermcgivney.org. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Ayer. We're talking with our guest, Tommy Ty. He's a marriage and family therapist and creator of the St. Dymphna's Playbook uh, a podcast. In fact, that's the title of, um, similar to the title of your new book. Um, talk about talk about the book and the, give me the title and then why you wrote the book. Oh, sure. The book is called St. Dymphna's Playbook, A Catholic Guide to Finding Mental and Emotional Well-Being. Um, and I wrote it mostly to try to help people not feel alone. That's the main thing. And, and also to help sort of um, start the building of a community so that we can feel more comfortable talking about our mental health symptoms. Because I think, you know, we go to Mass, 
we we leave as soon as the priest walks out, we grab our donut, we walk to our vans, and we drive away, and um, I think we're missing a real opportunity. Uh, our church is really supposed to be a community of people trying to get to heaven together, and too often we think that it's just supposed to be us and Jesus trying to get to heaven, right? And I think that we suffer, not only spiritually, but also interpersonally and with our mental health, because there's so many opportunities that we miss, so many people who are suffering like us, and if we talk to them, we could spark some real community of support. So that's kind of why I wrote the book, hoping to sort of change myself, starting with myself from like running to the van after mass to actually trying to interact with people, be vulnerable with people, and, and really kind of create those relationships that we can have. Now, now, we're talking about the book, and we want to talk about that more, but you also have some podcasts. So what are what What is the content of the podcast? Oh, sure. So, um, yeah, every week we put out a podcast that you can get kind of anywhere, podcasts are, Apple, Google, anywhere you want. Um, and um, we start out by talking about some sort of general mental health topic, then we transition into talking about a saint, uh, mostly a saint who's gone through some sort of mental health issues themselves. Uh, and then we take three questions every episode that are sent in, just questions about any topics on mental health and Catholicism and sort of walk through it, uh, walk through coping skills we might utilize, and then uh, pray for each person that sends in a question altogether. Um, so I think it's, it's a good thing. I've, I've been shocked with how many people have sent in questions <laughs> and uh, shocked that anybody listens. I, I think it's just, a, it's obviously the Holy Spirit does things, because it's not me, that's for sure. <laughs> and and what, what is the name of the podcast and how do people access it? Oh, sure. It's called St. Dismas Playbook, just like the book. Uh, and people can get it like on Apple Podcasts, on Google Google Podcasts, or anywhere you get podcasts, it'll be there. Okay, and spelled Dymphna. <laughs> oh, I was just going to do that. <laughs> oh, if sure, you did. Sure, yeah. So it's St. <laughs> it's Dymphna. It's D-Y-M-P-H-N-A, apostrophe S, St. Dymphna's Playbook. Yeah, and I, wanna, I want to ask you about... Um, some tips for how people may be listening to the show prior to, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving, I mean, Christmas and New Year's, um, how can they cope or what recommendations or suggestions would you ask or give people listening about that are struggling with grief? Oh, well, the first thing I would do is say to pray. Um, I think praying is a really powerful tool. It's not the only answer to us dealing with our mental health symptoms, obviously, but it's a big answer. God wants to walk with us when we're suffering and when we're hurting, right? Um, for me, I mean, people have all kinds of different spiritualities that they like to delve into in our Catholic faith. It's something beautiful about our faith that there's so much that we can turn to. Um, for me, I found a lot of solace in the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Uh, it walks through the Seven Sorrows of Mary, and uh, it really helps me because sometimes in our faith, obviously Jesus, right, because he's God, but also the saints can feel so out of touch to us. They can feel like, you know, like St. Maximilian Colby had a vision of Mary, and then for the rest of his life he knew what he wanted to do, and boy, isn't that great. That's never happened to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we go through the seven sorrows of Mary, we can really see how she walked through this pain and suffering and this darkness in her life. And it helps me because when things would happen in my life that would make me feel bad, I would be very angry at God, and I would say, look, I'm trying, I'm trying to be a good person, I go to Mass, I go to confession, and then you do this to me, like, how could you? Um, but then you look at what Mary walked through, and you're like, oh, okay, like, the holiest person to ever walk the face of the earth had to go through all of this terrible sorrow, and it made her more real to me, it made her more of an advocate to me. Um, so this prayer has been super helpful for, to me, people can look it up, it's, it's um, very easy to go through and to work through, and it's lovely. Um, besides praying, I think really talking about things is important, somebody in your family that you can trust, that you can talk to about how you're feeling, 
It's wonderful, right, to be able to just say what you feel instead of holding it inside. Um, and, and in other ways, I would say, looking up coping skills online, uh, you know, you don't have to go to therapy to find a good list of coping skills that you can try. The most important thing to remember is to know who you are as a person, so that when you look at the skills of for, for coping with grief or depression or anxiety, you're picking the ones that make sense to you with your personality, right? Um, and, and you try them out and see if they work. Uh, and I think that that's a very good step, like mindfulness techniques, like trying to, you know, sit in a chair, feel the chair on your body, look around and notice the colors around the room, the smells, the sights, these things that kind of bring us out of our, like, racing thoughts that are going through our mind and into the present moment can really help us to kind of escape the anxiety that comes along with grief in the holiday season. Now, what about events during the holiday season? I, I can envision someone suffering from grief saying, oh, I just don't feel like going to that Christmas party or that Christmas gathering. I just bring everybody down. If I win anyhow, I'm just going to stay home. Good idea, not good idea. Well, I would say most of the things our brain tells us to do is not a good idea, <laughs> especially when we're suffering, right? Mm. Our brain is always kind of tilted towards the negative. I think it's our fallen human nature that we're always thinking negatively about ourselves and thinking negatively about the future and we have to really fight against that. So when we're feeling depressed and our brain says, you know, pull the covers over your head, don't get out of bed, we have to kind of work to remember that that's a lie, that really being around people is going to help. And we hear this all the time, the thing that you mentioned of, I don't want to talk about my depression, I don't want to pick a thoughts around other people because it's going to bring them down. Um, people love you, right? And people want to help you and people want to walk with you and they can't do that unless you're able to be around them or to talk to them. And so we have to remember, like, um, my wife's not going to be like, oh, gosh, you're bumming me out because you're talking about how depressed you are. She's going to say, I love you, and I want to be with you and help you. Uh, I know that's a really hard thing for us to remember, but people want to help us, and it brings them joy, excuse me, it brings them joy to be able to help us. So I think reaching out is just the, the best thing we can do, even though our depressed brain tells us not to. So the tip is go to the party, right? Go to the party, yeah, but leave early because you need to get a good night's sleep too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? It, the, just as you had mentioned earlier in the show that, you know, Jesus helps us many times through other people. You know, we don't necessarily have the angelic experience where, you know, the angel Gabriel comes to us or whatever, but, you know, that person at the party maybe shares a story and can relate their loss or their loss or their grief or something that happened to them. And then that makes you feel less alone. You know what I mean? So that's right. Yeah. yeah. This is how the Christian faith works. We forget it so often because we just want God to fix things automatically, but that's not what Christianity has been throughout time, right? It's been God helping us through others. We always hear about how we need to see Jesus and other people and be Jesus for other people. And that's what can happen to us if we start to share our experience. Yeah, and that's, you know, really the body of Christ, you know, that we eat, we we need each other to do anything, really, to evangelize it. But God gave us those people to help us, too, along the journey, just like you said. So those are those are great points. I, I want to ask you, was, was there a, a favorite part that you had in writing the book? Was there anything that you learned um, in writing the book that you didn't know before? Oh, my favorite part was probably writing about grief, just because it's mm. been such an important part in my, of my life, writing about the experience of the loss of our son and sort of the journey on how we moved through that over these years and how it still is a part of our life today. Uh, and probably the part that was the funniest to me was writing about scrupulosity, because I kind of felt like, oh, I don't have any issues with 
nasty. And then as I started writing about it, I was like, oh, boy, yeah, I do. I really do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's helpful to know yourself when you're writing a book about, about your mental health symptoms. And I hope that people can relate to that when they kind of, uh, when they when they read it and, and maybe see some ideas for helping them with those those issues, too. I'm curious, um, how how has writing the book and actually just working as a marriage and family therapist and then doing the podcast, how, how do those things um, impact your faith or help you um, be a better Catholic? Two questions there. Oh, well, I think that they really help uh, in terms of, like you said, knowing about the community that we all have to share together. So uh, there's, a, there's a thing that comes from Dorothy Day that I really like. Uh, she meditated on what would happen after she died and she, she shows up before Jesus and gets to heaven, and Jesus says, hey, nice to see you, but where's everybody else? And I think that that is something that I've carried with me quite a bit, because it's that thought of, like, it's not just us, right? Our, our faith teaches us that it's not just about us getting into heaven, it's about everybody else. So, walking with people suffering from mental illness, writing this book, doing the podcast, I, I hope in some small way it's like bringing people along to to be able to meet Jesus and get to heaven so we're all there together. And instead of saying, where's everybody else? You can say, hey, look at everybody behind you. And that would be really, that would be really nice just uh, to create this community, have this solidarity together, and, and walk with each other through this dark valley until we can get there. So who should get the book, and how do you get a copy of the book? It's St. Dymphna's Playbook, A Catholic Guide to Finding Mental and Emotional Well-Being. Where, where can you get the book? And, um, yeah. Yeah, anybody should get the book. I think it would be lovely. I think we all go through symptoms of mental health uh, difficulties from time to time, so I think it would help anybody. You can get the book at a local Catholic bookstore. That would be cool. You can go on Ave Maria's website, uh, the publisher of the book, or you can get it anywhere books are sold. You can go on Amazon or any place that you like to buy things, and, and it'll be there waiting for you. And I hope that it, I hope that it helps just one person to feel like they're not alone, or just one person to be able to feel like they can do something to kind of get a handle on their symptoms. We just have about a minute or so left, and I've got to ask you, um, your website is catholichipster.com. <laughs> How'd you come up with that title? I, I have to go there and check it out, and it looks like you, you also do a TV show, Repent and Submit, on Catholic TV. Do you sleep? Yeah. <laughs> no, not with all these kids. I don't sleep very much. <laughs> yeah, the first book that I wrote was called The Catholic Hipster Handbook, and uh, it was myself and a bunch of friends writing about it. Uh, just how Catholicism is so countercultural today and how we should embrace that and embrace how weird we can be when we're Catholic. So um, that's where that came from. And we just have a lot of fun. So, yeah, no, not much sleep, though. <laughs> well, I was really expecting to see, like, you know, like a, a vest with, like, the, the tassels or the, you know, the, the I'm trying to describe, like, the vest and the hippie outfit. So, you know, I can confirm to our audience that you do not have that on. You're just sitting there in your car like a normal guy. Um, but, Tommy, listen, thank you so much um, for the work that you're doing in the church. Um, Tommy Ty, marriage and family therapist, creator of St. Dymphna's Playbook uh, podcast, and also the author of St. Dymphna's Playbook, A Catholic Guide to Finding Mental and Emotional Well-Being. Thank you so much for being our guest today. It was a wonderful blessing. I hope you guys have a great rest of your afternoon. You too. God bless. You've been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how everyday people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. This program is underwritten in part by the Indiana State Knights of Columbus. If you have suggestions for topics or guests for this program, contact Bridget at catholicradioindy.org. That's B R I 
G-I-D, at catholicradioindy.org or call us at 317-870-8400.